Welcome to episode 547 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a wonderful conversation with regular contributor, our resident urban hiker from his home office in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Travis Ignatowski. And we talk with Travis about buildings going up on his block, venture capitalism, generational differences, the Blue Ridge Mountains, diversity of dining, doom scrolling, warm weather during autumn time, food deserts, Society Hill, gentrification, less sun, the plants in front of his house, Roma Italia, being near the Colosseum, a beautiful bottle of wine, edifice, non-linear dynamics, Asheville, North Carolina, the media and future leaders, among other things, a grand conversation with Travis Ignatowski this go-around. We also have an EW poetic piece titled Natural Urban and another one titled Edifice to share with you. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 547 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours.
Natural Urban The Ways of a City Life The Urban Plight and Diverse Cultural Delights The Dreams of Connection Freedom Sophistication Recognition Love and Happiness The People Good and Bad and Empty Lost Sad the sounds and smells, the steam engine whistle, and the rattle of underground tracks. Hot summer days and cold winter nights are not pretend. The Milky Way to look up into, and for a moment, perhaps, we transcend. Mrs. Po- 
Hello? Hello. Is this Travis Ignatowski? Yes, it is. Travis Ignatowski, thank you so much for being on Troubadours and Rock On Tours yet again. It's good to have yes. you here. Yes, yes. a little poet. You drinking again? You drinking yeah, again? Put out a poignant pause. Yeah, very poignant. So early on. A little bit. Leaving yeah. that for you to, to mull over. Yeah, like, are you like wondering why I'm calling you? Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm doing something else. Maybe. <laughs> I'm setting up the washer. Is that what you're doing, setting up the no. washer? Is that like some euphemism? No. Ooh. Uh, ooh. It could be, probably. <laughs> probably is for something. No, for, I'm just uh, waiting for you. I tried calling you before because I wasn't sure if my Skype was working, but uh, apparently it is. Yes, it is, and uh, thankfully so. We're, we're talking with our resident urban hiker. Not urbane, but maybe he is urbane, but he is our resident urban hiker. He travels around. Sometimes he's at home. I don't know where he is now. His home is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Where are we talking with you from? Yeah, I'm in Philadelphia, actually. I had hoped to be, to arrange this call, you know, for one sometime when I was elsewhere, but it didn't work out that way. But yeah, I'm just looking out my window at all of the the buildings that are going up in my block. I have a like somewhat suburban, I mean, I'm in the city itself, but it's a residential area. And there's uh, three apartment complexes going up on our block for a total of 130 units. Wow. Which will probably happen within the next three or four years, which I'm not terribly thrilled about, but <clears throat> it's happening everywhere. Why is that? That's a very good question, because I don't know how, I mean, I suppose in the case of townhouses, the developer or the venture capitalists, they just they invest in these things for you know, X dollars, and then they sell it all for X plus Y dollars, and they're, they're, they make their money. But I think some of these these projects are all rent, rental units, so I guess they're in it for the long game, or, they're, or they sell it off to some management company. So that's, that's a, definitely a thing in Philadelphia. Well, it's just, it's just interesting. I mean, Philly, I guess it, it must, your neighborhood, it's it's right around Mount Airy, Chestnut Hill area, right? Yeah, I live in Mount Airy, yeah. Um, and that's a nice area of Philly. Uh, you feel like you're in a neighborhood, though, you know, a, a short ride, you're in Center City. Uh, right. There's a lot of woods around and such, too. Yep, um, absolutely. So, I mean, I guess that's why. It's a, it's a nice yeah, it's place desirable. to live. But weren't there a lot of buildings block. there already? Did they have to knock Sorry? a lot? Of, didn't they have to lock, knock a lot of buildings down then to, to have, have space? Because I I've been to your neighborhood. I always thought it was pretty compact with buildings already, like small, like houses. And yeah, stuff. yeah, individual houses that are a hundred or so years old. Yes, that's absolutely right. Uh, the one across from our place, there was a, a single home there that they knocked down about three months ago, and and then there was just like an empty lot. There's ten lots. There's space for 10 individual properties like mine across the street, but there'll be one big uh, like five-story building, which is taller than it's supposed to be. Um, the the uh, zoning for this block is 39 feet, which is three stories or so, but the developers are able to get a dispensation by putting in, like, this is a, com- this is a zoned commercial block, although there's not much commercial activity here. There is one... There's a restaurant and there's a dry cleaner. But if they, they put businesses in and if one of them sells vegetables or something, it's considered a, a grocery store. 
And since we're in a quote unquote uh, food desert, which we're not, that allows them to build higher, which is a very strange loophole. But it turns they out found they built, it. Yes, they did. The whole city of Philadelphia is considered a food desert, except for one neighborhood downtown, Society Hill, where somebody tried to do the same thing. And the residents there who are well healed got together and they hired some lawyers and they were able to to turn that around. But, I mean, we're within a five-minute walk of a gigantic grocery store, uh, a ten-minute walk of a food co-op. So how can they call it then? How can they call it a food desert? I don't know. It's ridiculous. Because there are genuine food deserts in Philadelphia, and they should be putting stores in those places so that the the folks who live there don't just have to rely on bodegas and you know, and and, and 7-Elevens. Well, what did, what, did you ever look up the uh, the official definition of food desert in the city? Uh, no, I haven't. And I don't know if there is one, and I don't know if it varies by, you know, one place to another, but uh, that's a good question. Um, because there probably logically mm-hmm. is one where you have to do, you know, where it's a undue, undue, you know, effort to get to where you can buy fresh groceries, fresh, fresh vegetables and such. It's probably something along those lines. Right. And uh, that's certainly not the case um, anywhere in the northwest of Philadelphia. Really. Certainly not here. So, um, Well, good luck but, with all that development. I mean, do you have any positive uh, hopes for the, the new buildings, or do you think there's no way in, in hell that well, it could be positive? I saw one that he did on another street, the same developer, and I don't hate it. It's a nice, modern-looking uh you know, lead certified building. So if, if if it's something like that, it won't be that bad. But during the construction, it's going to be very unpleasant. And there's not going to be a proportionate number of parking spaces for the number of units. They right. Need. What about that? Because that was a well, pain parking at your house. Yes. Well, I mean, luckily we have a driveway, but a lot of people don't. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be um, not so great for them. But... Maybe a parking garage will be part of the the uh, yeah. Construction. Oh yeah, there will be underneath. It'll be underground, but there's not gonna. It's not gonna be. You know, you'll have to pay extra probably to get a, a parking spot, but there's not gonna be. It's gonna be first come first serve. Not um, enough for all the tenants. No, no. Yeah. Exactly. See, how could the city allow that to happen? I get. You know, they get. I mean, am I cynical right now? But they get paid <laughs> off. You know, something. I don't think they have to get paid off. I think they like to see this sort of thing. Um, at a certain, to a certain extent, I mean, depending on where it's happening, uh, because there is a lot of uh, legitimate complaints about gentrification and people like low-income people being displaced. Uh, that's not really the case here. But well, I, this I mean, this that, is not an example of gentrification. Well, I mean, I don't, not particularly. I mean, um, this is not a, a blighted neighborhood, so no, I don't think so. It's just a. A, a, you know, apartment complex going up in this particular neighborhood. So, uh, and that's happening all over the place. Um, city is, uh, the city of Philadelphia has been quite, you know, sort of uh, bu- buzzing in people's uh, minds regarding uh, the quality of life there over the last several years. I mean, you hear about violent crime. Yes, you hear about that. But you also hear that uh, at the same time, Philly is is a is a good place to to have an experience where you're not overwhelmed by uh, you know the urban environment sure. but but yet you still have a lot of the the diversity of of culture yeah, and people absolutely yeah all of that stuff is true just about everything you hear about Philly the good and the bad is all true all at the same time i mean yeah there is a alarming amount of crime 
uh, even in the central district, but yet there's still a vibrant restaurant scene and it's, it survived COVID remarkably well um, and has bounced back. Although, you know, I, when, I don't know what it's like in downtown. I know when I go into my office in New York, which I've done a few times uh, in the last few, few months, uh, it's empty um, or ne- nearly empty. But walking around the streets, like, you know, getting to the train and everything, there's still people around because people live downtown in New York and people live in downtown Philly, too. So even if they're, you know, working at home, they're still out, hopefully going to the places that sell lunches and, you know, and and depend on, um, you know, on commuters and depend on people, you know, buying lunch and and buying things in the daytime. Right, right. And and so... Right now, uh, in, in Philadelphia, maybe you're just in need of more housing be, because people want to move there. And maybe a lot of those people even work in New York City, like yourself. But it's, Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's been going on for, forever. Right, because it's cheaper to live in Philly than it is to live in New oh, York God, City. Oh, yes. And, and it's, it's commutably. There's people who live in, New, you know, in Long Island and different parts of Westchester, uh, you know, the greater New York area in the state of New York that have a longer commute than I do. Right, right. So that's cool. Now, you know, let's take a step back. We're talking a bit about you looking out your window and seeing the preparation for this new five-story apartment complex, and you, you anticipate several more, total of about 130 units, I think you said. Now, yeah. uh, how is that going to affect, like, the aesthetics of the neighborhood, the view you know, out, your, out your window and things of that nature? And does that matter? I guess I mean it's it's not a huge consideration, but it will it'll, it'll absolutely change things. Uh, we'll get less sun, which is good and bad. Uh, I mean, our plants did great in front of the house this year because they already took down a couple of trees that were not nice trees that had been there. So we're getting all this light, but it makes it hotter in our room uh, in the summer when it gets really hot. So it'll be a kind of a trade off. Um, and for the people who live on the other side of this this lot. You know, they had a kind of a little bit of a vista that is going to be completely gone. They're going to be looking right into uh, somebody's apartment. So at least if they're the ones on the lower floors. So, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely it's going to be out of step with the other buildings in this neighborhood um, to have something that big. So, yeah. Yeah. Gonna, yeah, that's something. That's something to consider. Is that uh, happening in Scranton at all? I, I, I presume it's not. Not not in the way you're describing, but there is some development happening in, in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, and Scranton in particular. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, for similar reasons, I think. Um, you know, people are able to work elsewhere. You know, the place that they are employed may be in a, in a major environmental, or excuse me, uh, urban area, but they don't need to be in their office all the time. Sure. If they're yeah. close enough home, uh, close enough to that, their home, they could drive in if it's only once a week or a couple times a month and pay the lower, you know, cost of living in a, in a smaller community, but making yeah, the money yeah. of a big city. I think that's happening here. Plus, they're talking about the train, as you know. You know, the train's supposed to be coming into the Northeast yeah, again. Yeah, I've been hearing that forever. Yeah. Uh, what's, this is the one that would go to, like, uh, Hoboken, New Jersey, and therefore New York? No, I, I think the plan is now right into Penn Station. Oh, well. Uh, Directly. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So then it would have to go through, uh, well, the, the where it go. I'm trying to think of where the train goes in. It's near the Lincoln Tunnel. All that stuff is close to each other. So it's around the same area. 
Yeah, uh, but you won't have to take. You won't have to get off and get on the pathway or anything like that. You can well, just. So would it connect to New Jersey Transit? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a it's a joint yeah. effort. It's a joint effort right. between uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey Transit. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Uh, so, so it would be one of those ones that goes out to the northwest of. But there's actually one that goes to like. Uh, Orange County, New York, to like Port Jervis. Port Jervis, exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's hmm. right. Yeah, we're talking here with uh, Travis Ignatowski, our resident urban hiker, about urban stuff. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so what have you been thinking lately outside of the the buildings going up in your neighborhood? Uh, anything uh, that you... Well, I was, I was ruminating on the fact that you'd be calling me because it's been some months since the last time we spoke. I can't remember when it was. I think it's about seven months. Seven months. Okay. I couldn't remember. I remember I was in Detroit one time when we had a conversation. And we may have had one since then um, because I was traveling. I've been traveling a lot this year. I was in California a couple times. I was in Austin, Texas, which was interesting. He's a Bible salesman, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes, they're they're selling like hotcakes. (laughs) (laughs) Um but also, when I was in Rome, I was in Rome in June. It was Rome, like New York? Degrees every... No, I was in, in Italy. Awesome. Uh, in fact, I think I talked to you from there. Um, I think we did. Maybe just texted or something. Yeah. And uh, I had a bunch of observations, uh, No, rev- nothing revelatory that I made over there that I plan to share as part of the theme of this, this, this segment. And then I like lost my list or forgot them all. And the only thing that I can remember is that in walking around, I had some downtime, and I was walking around the neighborhood I was in, which was near the Coliseum. And you can you can go into anything in on the streets of Rome, like uh, there's cafes, there's these tchotchke shops where you can buy, like, T-shirts and refrigerator magnets with the Coliseum. And, and you can buy, like, a beautiful bottle of red wine or a cold beer anywhere. But there's no bars. Uh it's just not a bar culture. It's a cafe culture. Yes. Meaning that you go into places and there are no, there's not a, a long bar. There's tables and you can sit there and drink and, and, but most people are with their friends, you know, they're, and so when you're by yourself, when, when I travel for work, you know, usually I go into some place and hopefully, you know, you strike up a conversation with, you meet somebody from somewhere else and it's interesting and they just don't seem to exist in Rome, at least not where I was. Um, as opposed to when you're in the northern part of Europe, like in London and and in Switzerland and Germany, they're, they're all over the place. Right. So I just thought that was kind of curious. That is. That is. You know, you'd have to probably go to a hotel, a western, you know, uh, hotel. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah that's that's probably I, the hotel I had, I stayed in, didn't have a restaurant. Um, but yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, that's uh, that, that is my experiences in, in Italy, the same thing. I and France, I think, is kind of the same way. Probably, yeah. yeah. Maybe Spain or Greece as well. Yeah. Um, you go to cafes. Where, where the weather's good. This, yeah. it, the same place you get your espresso is where you get your, your you know, oh, yes. liquor, your alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Or your, or your you know, refrigerator magnet with the, with the David on it. <laughs> right, right. It's all the same sort of deal, yeah. Um, so when you were out in Rome, did you, did you have a nice time? Um, I, I didn't really get a chance to do anything except attend the conference I was at. But, uh, you know, it's always nice to walk around there and the, everything you eat is delicious. 
Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it was good to be there. Feels old, guy, right? You can feel the you can feel oh, how yes. old it in is. In fact, I asked the guy uh, at the desk. I mean, the the place I stayed was a, you know, there was a, there was a hotel was in part of it, but that was pretty small. I guess there were some maybe there were some offices or some residences. I'm not sure, but you've seen these, you know, uh, large um, arteries that go through parts of Rome, and it's just. I mean, it's it, there's a sense of green there, but it's it's a lot of a lot of edifice. It's a lot of uh, built environment. Uh, a, a lot of buildings the same height that just go along the contours of the street. And I asked the guy, "Well, how old is this building?" Where he said it was 800 years old. <laughs> I mean, they obviously refurbished everything, but it still looks old on the outside. But it's you know, it's remarkable that these cities were. I mean, this is a city that was very much. Uh, um, an urban setting, like for a very long time. It's the uh, eternal city. Yes. So yes, indeed, all road, roads lead there. Yeah, all roads lead to Rome. Yeah, and uh, what was the conference on? Anything interesting? It was on nonlinear dynamics. Nonlinear, <laughs> which is which is interesting, but um, you know, it, it I, is. I, Tell, I, what, I, what do you know about nonlinear dynamics? I know that it touches on a lot of different aspects of engineering, as well as uh, population studies and economics and epidemiology. It's um, sort of applied mathematical techniques that allow the understanding of different phenomena that that act in a chaotic manner. I guess you might say, seemingly chaotic. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, and and uh, you. <laughs> You were trying to uh, book an author for the, for the journals that you... you oh, I'm uh, not really involved in journals, but yeah, I'm there to meet authors, basically. Oh, it's not journals? I'm sorry. I thought you were involved I in I used journals. to do that. Yeah. Not anymore. I haven't been, keep, I haven't been keeping up with you. I haven't been keeping up. I've been <laughs> keeping... I have my spies are all over you, and <laughs> I've got my bots in your, uh, into your, your PM or your DM. Oh, you're hitting me with all this newfangled yes. technological terminology. Not that I'm using incorrectly, yes. <laughs> Probably old bastard what's that dm direct messaging direct messaging yeah 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 so um you're back here now you're you're uh you're you're doing your thing in uh in the northeast you're looking at autumn in front of us how is that feeling well it's uh it doesn't feel like autumn today that's for sure it's like 70 degrees it's it's great out and uh there's not much happening with foliage Although we were on, we took a little vacation, my wife and I and some of our friends uh, down the street to Asheville, North Carolina a week ago. And, you know, that's considerably south of here. There's a way more, um, you know, change in the leaves down there than up here. Really? Possibly because of elevation, because we were, up, you know, up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Right. Um, yeah, that's the only reason. I, but yeah, so, but not yet. Here it happens, uh, it happens really quickly. Uh, like right before Thanksgiving, usually, and then everything starts to fall down, and by Christmas the leaves are gone. We're about peaking it now, you know. We're at the peak here, kind of a little bit. Some might say a little bit past the peak. Uh, it's it's. I still see a lot. I'm looking out my window right now. I see I see a lot of green, but I see some uh, burnt sienna colors and and reds and yellows. You know, it's uh, browns. It's pretty nice, but still yeah, a lot of green. A lot of green. Uh, sure. You know, it's the climate change. Sure. You know, it, it prolongs the this, this, this season or pushes it uh, into November. It's Bill Gates. 
Is, is it Bill Gates? Is he behind yes, it all? Yes, I thought it was yes. what's his name, the 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 Elon Tesla Musk. guy, yeah. the X, yeah, the, the guy who doesn't realize that uh, Malcolm already took the X in a much cooler way than he could. Um, <laughs> yes. oh, X X, what a goofball! Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's rich, so that means he's better than me. Um, well, yes. So I shouldn't be saying anything, right? Because he's smart and powerful, and I'm just and he's listening to you. He's listening to me. Amen, Bill Gates. <laughs> Bill Gates. <laughs> what do you have against Bill Gates? Bill Gates? Yeah, he is, and he's 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 a sweater wearing nice guy, isn't he? Sure, well, sure. not according to Bob Bob Kennedy's son. Oh yeah, you're voting for Bob uh, Junior? Uh, probably not. Probably not. No, you're one of those radical urban I'm, I'm liberals. I'm voting for, for Marjorie Taylor Greene. Not that guy. <laughs> I'm going to move to Georgia. So I can do that. Oh my God! Are you happy with politics as of late? You know the speakerless, spe- <laughs> the speakerless House of Representatives. As we talk, maybe by the time this airs, they'll finally get their act together. Those Republicans. Uh, no, I'm not. I think it's crazy, ridiculous. It's like looking at middle school people, but mean, powerful middle school people. You know, yeah. mentality. It's terrible. Yeah. Yes, there's there's nothing good happening at all. No. No, I'm I'm impressed by Hakeem Jeffries. I think he's handled himself really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, he'd be. Uh, they'll never put him in because that would be too sensible. Right, uh-huh. right. Um, but uh, so you and I have been looking at the political landscape since we're teenagers, talking about it, um, and now we're in our you know. And we're fifth, still just as frustrated. Yeah, I did, I, well, I was going to ask you, and you know, we've been talking about this for about forty some years. Uh, what do you think for yourself? Has it gotten better since we've been in your room, you know, uh, listening to records talking about politics in the in the uh, 80s to now? Is it, well, I suppose you could, you could look back on it and say it was better then, you know, potentially. Is that just nostalgia? Or but, Probably, yeah, somewhat, I think. Um, although, no, actually, I think it has gotten worse. Uh, I mean, you could point to individual players from different eras and, and compare them, but just the whole tenor of the, you know, day-to-day operations seems uh, a lot worse than it was 40 years ago or even 20 years ago. Yeah, I I, I kind of I, I agree with you. And what, what do you make of it? I mean, we've been watching things for, uh, you know, f- we've been around for 50-plus years, but we've been watching things closely probably for a good 35 years. What do you What do you make of it? What's going I don't, on? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't see. A, I mean, I hope there's a way forward. I hope the the the, the younger people, you know, are because there's still a lot. Of, I mean, in Congress anyway, it's still an old boys club. I mean, there's still a lot of it. You know, kind of old geezers in there. I mean, I'm hoping that some of the young people will have uh, more sense about them and not just more progressive ideas. Because I happen to be on that side of the political spectrum. But just in terms of realizing that you need to compromise and get things done and, you know, but I don't know if that's happening anytime soon. I mean, on the on the Republican side, it's just all dominated by Trump and that just uh, brings everybody down. Even the people who are, you know, supposedly against him to the end are, are you know, towing the line out of necessity, I suppose. Not really. They're just cowards and they're well, lazy. Yeah. They have no yeah. vision. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that too. <laughs> that too. Uh, you know, Travis Ignatowski here on Troubadours and Rock Contours, our resident urban hiker. 
Yeah, you know, it it is it is a, a strange state of affairs, and I'm going to sound like an old uh, self-righteous uh, curmudgeon, but I, I have to say I'm not that impressed with the you know the main stream younger generations that I see. I, I really and maybe because they were affected negatively by things like the pandemic or uh, years and years of lies that they they've endured from politicians. They seem apathetic. They seem unwilling to really do do the hard work rolling up their sleeves they you know oftentimes they're either disengaged as i said or or they you know a lot of the folks just believe that they know better and history isn't really anything to look at and older folks are in the way like a joe biden you know the guy i think is he's he's at the brunt of a lot of ageism by younger <laughs> generations he's <is> really old <laughs> he is he looks old as hell yeah, I, I mean, but he, it's I unfortunate think, that it's unfortunate. I mean, I think that he's done a, a reasonably good job, me too. In, a, in a tough job, and, and and a job that I don't think he really wanted. Maybe twenty years ago he did, but um, I think that he thought that he was the only one that could win in twenty twenty, and uh, he was probably right because there was the others were all so unknown, um, and I guess you need to have a lot of name recognition in part to uh, to get anywhere. Yeah, I guess so. And it was also, you know, the people that we were we were trying to get to vote for uh, in our person, our candidate, were only going to vote for some old white guy. <laughs> you know, if you put up a woman or a person of and yeah, or a person yeah. of color, you weren't going to win. So who's our best old white guy? Biden yeah. to go against their best old white guy, Trump. That's I think what ended up happening was and that that's was, what we're going to see again in in a year, which well, is really unfortunate. It, it is, and why is that though? Why you know why, why why did why if why can't it be a resounding win for someone who is not an old white guy? Well, I think the Democrats are they just don't want. I mean, they they look at the. I don't. It's hard to say, but I mean, nobody's even approached uh, the subject of. Yeah, I know there's an incumbent, and and generally it's uh, you don't bother with an. I mean, I mean, but under the circumstances. Um, he was a reluctant candidate in the first place, it seems. And there was no shortage of them last time around in, in 2016 and, you know, even in 2020. And uh, where are they now? Well, again, they probably couldn't win. And you don't, you don't go up against, you don't go up against an incumbent. That, that doesn't work out. And, I mean, you look at uh, when Kennedy, uh, Teddy, went against uh, Carter, that didn't work out it, too well, right? Well, Carter lost. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, well, that's exactly, yeah. I mean, and it could have been somewhat to do with Kennedy go going against him in the primary. I think if there was a strong enough candidate that made themselves aware, uh, known to, to, to Biden and to the powers that be, say, by 2022, early 2022, Biden might have stepped aside and let that person go hard right um, if he embraced yeah if he embraced him and said this is the guy now it's not just about biden it's also about kamala harris who's young she can't just uh you know i mean it's not surprising that dick cheney didn't run after bush had bush jr had two terms because he was older and not popular uh so the two of them just stepped away altogether and let um john mccain run um but you know, Biden couldn't really do that with Kamala Harris. No, he'd have to be the candidate. 
And, and Kamala, I don't know how well liked she is. I don't know how she pulls. I don't think it's that good, to be honest. Not really. I mean, I like her. I respect her. Me I mean, too. She's a smart person, and uh, I'm sure she's, you know, her. She's morally intact, um, but she hasn't stood out any, with anything. No. Um, no, she hasn't. So, I mean, if Biden should win, hopefully he will. Uh, what's going to happen in 2028? Like, is she going to throw her hat in? Um, I don't it, know. Yeah. Yeah, that would be logical, but it, I'm sure there are a lot of factors involved. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing, democracy and, and candidacy and, and wanting power. Uh, you know, it, as time goes on, you know, the rhetoric for an individual such as myself is more, it's it's obvious that it's just rhetoric and it's largely empty. Uh, and you, you really want someone who has character and and you want someone who could motivate and inspire because that's what the president has to do you have congress to deal with of course uh and and you can't just think that one person is going to make all these changes without uh, convincing and working you know congress has got to be in the right way too sure so you know i don't know the the, but but the president is significant it makes a difference you know if if trump was president now with the same exact Congress, it would be a totally different situation. Well, it'd be, you wouldn't, it would be certainly bad for Ukraine. They'd yeah. Be like, uh, they'd be big part of Russia now again, I guess. Yeah, that's just one example. You're right. So I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm hopeful or what, but I, I, I believe a lot in, in the idea of this country, and I, I love my life here in this country, and I, I'm proud to be part of it, but I, I'm very concerned, too, in many, many ways, culturally where we are and where I think we might be going, or I'm not sure where we're going, but I don't, I don't feel like it's a good place culturally and, and certainly politically, too. You know, I, I don't know what drives our political system and the people in it and where it's going to end up. It's concerning. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yep, and that's why a we question mark. <laughs> it is, it is. So, how do you deal with all that yourself? You're a smart person. You reflect a lot. Do you just not think about it, or do you think about it and get upset and then I drink do all beer? Of the above. <laughs> I mean, I compartmentalize. Uh, you know, I think about it sometimes, like you probably do, but uh, it can't be consumed by it. And just your everyday life is, uh, you know, it's uh, demanding enough that it makes it easy to to put other things aside. But yeah, when you start thinking about that. You know, doom scrolling, as they'd say, uh, it can be very stressful. So, you know, it's not a good idea to do it. I mean, it's. I think it's good to stay informed, but, you know, you can't go overboard because um, there's not a lot of good news in the news. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true, unless you... You choose just to look at good news. There are some outlets where they, you know, media outlets where they focus on good news. Um, I guess. Is there? Yeah, that's there are. That's be an interesting idea, like if there was a cable channel that was like, you know, all fluff stories, the fluff network. I think David Byrne had something. He had an, 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 uh, an effort, initiative. I don't know if he's still doing it. A couple of years back where it was good news that was focused on. Um, and there, you know, my almighty Todd, another regular contributor, he mentioned... Uh, a news source that was sort of that that type as well. I mean, they they just looked at even difficult things in a very positive way, and in his view, very very realistically though too. They didn't ignore the complexities. 
I think often when you watch the news, you know, CNN, MSNBC, of course, Fox, uh, New, what is News Nation, I don't know, all of them. I, I read my news. You, you notice that there's always a dourness, you know, and they got to cut quick to commercial breaks, and that pollutes it and corrupts it too, in my view. Um, yeah, well, the 24-hour cycle. I also noticed something about, you mentioned CNN. Um, I think it was... Uh, it was probably the O.J. Simpson story and the, and the ensuing trial. That might have been the first one where it just became uh, the only thing on CNN. Like, they might break away for a couple of other stories for a few minutes, but they just, it was like 24 hours of that story. Uh, now, of course, there's big things that are happening in the news, the wars in Ukraine, and now it's happening in, in Gaza. Um, you know, you can't not cover that, but it's turned into, at least in the case of CNN and maybe some other news. Well, they're they're on twenty four hours, so they got to keep all that time filled. It's just, uh, you know, one story that they 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 play over and over and over again. But there's so many stories, like the story in your neighborhood about that building and the zoning, and you know why why isn't there journalists put put onto that story and looking into it and then well there isn't in local coverage uh, is there good know, that's absolutely i mean it's not something that people in california care about because they've got that's probably happening out there as well sure it is and occasionally you might see a story that uh, summarizes developments of this nature in different places but yeah there's uh, i mean here uh i listen to the radio whyy is our public station and they have a pretty good local coverage and they partner with one of the the network TV news outlets, uh, you know, to do radio versions of some of their reportage. So, yeah, I get a pretty good sense of what's happening locally. At least I think so. Yeah, I knew you were a big radio guy. I, I love that. I, I always have uh, public radio on in one of the rooms of my house, except for at night when we go to bed. But all day, as soon as I wake up, I put it on and, you know, you're listening to um, uh, the morning edition. And, right. and then all day I just leave it on until maybe yeah, but up there, don't, don't, I mean, because I when I drive because I drove past Scranton a couple of weeks ago, I was in upstate New York. And I, I mean, I noticed that it may not be the same as it was, but uh, WVIA still plays a lot of classical music all day long, which is fine, you know, but. No, but down that, here it's, it's all talk programs. They have more talk than they used to. They play classical, but they'll have like uh, that show. I think it's called Here and Now in the yeah. middle of the day. Uh, yeah, they, they do have more talk during the day than they used to. It's not just classical in the day, but still largely. Um, right. But but I, I I enjoy the fact that they have some more talk going on than they used to. Um, but yeah, all that a lot of people just don't listen to that though, and it is so informative. Of course, I listen to Pacifica Radio as well. Democracy Now, you know, this show is on Pacifica Network too. It helps when you're trying to understand. Uh, complex issues uh, and humanitarian, you know, circumstances. When you hear these stories that are well done and thoroughly done, you know, um, absolutely, it, it does it does help me with with me with trying to figure out what's going on and and uh, get a handle on it all. But uh, most folks don't. I, I don't believe most folks listen to that. They're watching that, you know, CNN, Fox News sort of deal. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um... But I think I think Fox is the number one news source in the country. Which is crazy. Unfortunately. It's crazy. Which yeah.
So uh, we have about five minutes left. What would you what would you like to end our conversation uh, with this time, Travis Ignatowski, our resident mm. urban hiker? I don't know. Uh, let's see. When am I going to be on again? I'm trying to think of where I'm. I have to t- make sure that I have a notebook with me when I'm traveling, and I I come up with these revelations. Yes, that, uh, would, would inspire your listeners. That's what I've been hoping for. About them. Yes. Uh, well, we can end on uh, this little Indian summer that we're getting. Uh, it's supposed to be nice next week too, so I'm enjoying that. Um, I don't know if you're supposed to call it Indian summer now. Oh right, of course. You know, and I uh, agree with that because it's a misnomer. Right. The folks that even, were here are not Indians. Well, yeah. Well, how do you know it's not referring to like New Delhi? Because that's not what we're referring. Because we're not. When when you talk about warm weather in the Northeast this time of <laughs> it's year, warm in India. Okay, I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I apologize, but it's easy because we've been hearing that our whole lives. Yeah, yeah, and yes, true. Mm-hmm. Yep, I guess that is uh, not the the proper way to. I wonder. So, what? How do you express that? Uh, you know, second summer or late summer, summer like weather. I. I f- I just say enjoy unseasonably warm when when I when I'm with my my students and I, I you know it's the end of the day and it's it's warm at this time of year I say enjoy climate change have a nice afternoon that's what I say so I just I just chuck it all up to climate change but you're right it always has been this little there always has been this little period of time in October or so where it would get unseasonably warm and we used to call it Indian summer and I don't even yeah. know why. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I don't either. How, how does that make sense? Who knows? I, we should look that up. That, see, that's that's your assignment. That's my assignment. <laughs> and, and the listeners, if anybody knows why, they used to call, and maybe still call in some places where they're not up on sensitivity and you know incorrect historical references, uh, Indian summer. Why is it called Indian summer when it's warm, or why was it? In the northeastern part of the United States. Is that I mean, just in the northeast, or do they? Well, I guess not in like Florida. No, I think it's just up expensive. here. And you can email your response if you like to ewconundrum at radiofreebrooklyn.org, and you'll win absolutely nothing. But I'll mention yeah. it on air, which is a little pride, maybe a little fun. You can feel like you know you're connected to the show if you want. It's nice to have you listening either way. Uh, ewconundrum at radiofreebrooklyn.org. So. Two minutes left. Give us something dandy to hold on to to the next time we talk with Travis Ignatowski. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. I am. Uh, uh, well, I'll send you a picture for the Facebook uh, page from one of my gallivanting exercises uh, and hopefully come up with something more interesting next time around than the developments in my neighborhood. I mean, that was nice, and I hope this uh, photograph is, is not like the last few you sent me when you were drunk that one night. I, oh, it, sure. Please. All right, I can't share those on social media. Plus, Understood. they're a bit disturbing, and I don't want to have to tell your wife. Yeah. She already, she's lived through it, so. You know, this isn't the first time she's had to deal with that? She's been, she's, she's been down this road. Oh, boy, what a saint she is. Uh, tell her we said hello. I will. And hopefully we'll see you soon during uh, this this uh, coming holiday season. Where are you going to be for Thanksgiving? Here. Yeah? I'm sure here. So, But we're going to Paris in uh, December after Christmas. So, you know, that should be interesting. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe we can call, it, call you then. City of Lights. Well, have a good Indeed. time. Have a good All time. Right. 
I and, will. And again, thank you for, for taking time out of your busy schedule there at your home office in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And hopefully by the time this airs, we'll be clear on the fact that the Phillies are in the World Series. Go Phils. Well, that, that, yeah, that room, we'll, we'll see you. We'll know in about six or seven hours. Yeah, Game 7 is tonight as we speak. All right. Uh, all right, brother. Thank you. Yep. Nice to talk to you. Same here. See you later. Ciao. espresso and a shot of Jägermeister, then a Campari with ice 
and a wedge of lime to sip. It is a beautiful light pinkish red to hold. It reminds me of purity and innocence. The entire record as we struggle and work to evolve is questionable. Desire, vanity, desperate need for affirmation, acceptance, relief from the heaviness. I walk the streets of Roma, Italia. There are no bars, only cafes.
And there you have it, episode 547 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, Travis Ignatowski, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Ala Las, Black Pumas, Tyler Childers, Janice Joplin, Terence Blanchard, and Brantford Marsalis, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourself.